Star Trek, our favorite frontier. These are the podcasts of Aaron and Polly, their ongoing mission to explore all things Trek, to seek out cool things and pick them apart, to boldly complain as no one's complained before. And this is Paul. And welcome to another episode of Star Trek with Aaron and Polly. Ooh. It's very, it's a very exciting episode. It is a very exciting episode. <laughs> I mean, we're not reading from a script. We, not at we, all. We, are, we are genuinely excited. That was my line, Paul. Oh, shit. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, I am grieved, grieved, Paul, oh. to, uh, to share this news. We found out uh, earlier last week that uh, David uh, Wise, uh, who was a writer for Star Trek, uh, wrote for the Star Trek animated series, uh, and was actually the first Emmy winner uh, for Star Trek, passed away last week. He uh, died of lung cancer. And Paul, ask me, ask me how old David was when he won that Emmy, when he wrote that episode of Star Trek, the animated series. Was he your age? (laughs) Bastard. No, he was 19. (laughs) Oh. <laughs> 19 years old and he uh he he won he won that uh that emmy uh you know he wrote that episode had it produced won that emmy that i mean that is just pretty amazing and you know you might recognize some of the other properties that he wrote on he wrote for he-man and the masters of the universe he wrote for the transformers he wrote for chippendale rescue rangers and teenage mutant ninja turtles well now it's a tragedy i know right uh, it's, it's really sad. He he has been uh, working in animation since he was 11 years old. Wow. He uh, hand animated films that played in New York City alongside uh, John Waters films. Huh. And at, at age 17, uh, he taught literature in his high school. And at age 19, he wrote that script for uh, Star Trek the Animated Series. I'm just blown away by this. I, you know, I, I, I did not know his name before I uh, learned of his death, and and uh, I just you know there, there, we have seen amazing talent work in Star Trek over the years, and and clearly uh, clearly he was one. So you know while I I did not know him in life, I certainly know his work now. He wrote the uh, the Star Trek the animated series episode, "How Sharper Than a Serpent's Tooth." Huh? Uh, yeah. Kind of reminds you that you've done nothing with your life, huh? It really does. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you know, it, see, at 11, I was playing with Micronauts. Yeah. <laughs> at, I hadn't uh, discovered girls yet at 11. At age 17, I was working at the movie theater. I had at, discovered at, girls by then. At age 19, I was working at the movie theater. <laughs> <laughs> oh, how old was I when I was working at the movie theater? I think I was 17. 17, yeah. working at a movie theater. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, you know, we also learned, not not Star Trek related, but certainly genre related, we learned uh, today that Max von Sydow died. Or, yeah. I'm sorry, Sydow. I've never heard it pronounced this way, but in both of the uh, newscasts I heard today, it was pronounced Sydow. I have it never heard it. I, I've never heard it pronounced that way. Huh. But, but uh, you know, he... Uh, 
You know, audiences first got to know him as Jesus in the greatest story ever told. Mm-hmm. Um, and but you know, our our friends in genre might remember him as Ming the Merciless in uh, the Flash. In uh, what Flash Gordon saves the universe? Is that what that just was Flash called? Gordon? Flash Gordon. Yeah. Uh, you know, we, we, he he was Ming the Merciless in that. He was he was the mentor to to Sylvester Stallone's uh, Judge Dredd. I am the law. Wow. He was, yeah. yeah. And, you know, pretty recently he was uh, Laura Santaka in uh, Star Wars Episode 7. Yeah, the yeah. The Force Awakens. He was, been, uh, he was the... Still uh, pretty prolific. Yeah, I mean, it worked right up right up into the end, right? I mean, I really do admire that, uh, those actors who are able to just work their entire life. And, you know, mm-hmm. he was 90 years old and he was, he was recently the uh, Three-Eyed Raven in Game of Thrones. Um, I mean, he just he he, he just has a, a tremendous and huge body of work, and uh, yeah, you know what? But it's amazing to me all those years in the business, not a single Star Trek credit to his name. <laughs> no, but hey, he was in James Bond. He was he That's was right. Blofeld. You know, well, he was, in, he was in, that ter- in that terrible Never Say Never Again, though, which is not you <laughs> really, really can't count. call that a Bond movie. Fair, fair. Yeah, oh, Exorcist movie. too. Yeah, yeah. He was in a lot of stuff, well, and, and he was in The Exorcist. Yeah, he was. Uh, he was the older priest. You know, he was forty years old when he shot that. Yeah, when he was the he was the quote old priest in uh, in The Exorcist. I mean, he was probably what six years older than the guy playing the young priest. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. It kind of reminds you how you've done nothing with your life, doesn't it? It really does. <laughs> it really does. I mean, wildly underachieved. I mean, my big claim to fame is that. Uh, when I'm 90, I'll still be podcasting. Yeah. I mean, I'm 40 and I'm still working at the movie theater. <laughs> <laughs> Tearing tickets, sweeping up popcorn. <laughs> yep. It's a sexy, so, sexy job you've got there, Paul. Scanning tickets nowadays. Thank you very much. <laughs> no, you're um, at the dollar theater. You're still tearing tickets. <laughs> <laughs> dollar theater. You know, one thing we didn't add to our outline because we don't have one. Uh, right, because we're, we're wild about. and free out here. There's no rules. It's like the unknown. It's the undiscovered country here. That's on right. Star There's Trek no Starfleet here. We got our own ship. We just go wherever we want. We no missions here. <laughs> um is the uh, one of the things I wanted to briefly mention, because we talked about it on a previous episode of Star Trek with Aaron and Polly, was Lost in Space, oh, uh, the yeah. Netflix show Lost in Space. And, you know, we talk, talked very much about its connections to Star Trek. And uh, one of the reasons I'm bringing it up today is because we are recording this on, I don't know, March 9th. Yeah, March 9th. And it was announced today that Netflix has renewed Lost in Space for a third and final season. I'm super uh, not canceled. Not canceled. Ending on its own merits, they said it was it was planned to be a trilogy, blah blah blah, which is what you usually say when uh-huh. you're lucky to get that third season renewal. Well, I'm super excited that it got renewed because I was I, I had this dread fear that uh, the the last episode of season two was the last episode uh, because they had been. Re- I mean, how how long has it been? It's what two three months. Yeah, but it was draw? the same with season one. Yeah, I got nervous. I was nervous. Is all I'm saying. Yeah. And I truly enjoy that show. I mean, I devoured season two. Um, and I, 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 you know, if you like Star Trek, there's no way you cannot like the the Netflix Lost in Space because it well, is so good. I don't know that I'd agree with you on that level of of, of like for the show. I think it's good enough. <laughs> <laughs> what for is me, Lost in you? Space is good enough. <laughs> uh, I disagree. I think it's an awfully damn good show. Second I, I, season was definitely better. But I, I will say a lot of that is fueled by my desire. For Maureen Robinson. 
Oh, yes, yes, yes. My word. (laughs) (laughs) That's all I can say. Indubitably, my word. (laughs) Well, Um, you've got one more season of her. Yeah, well, I'm excited. I'm excited. Um, You know, Paul, I've gotten a number of emails recently asking me uh, to sign up for the Star Trek cruise you know, uh, seven days out uh, in the Caribbean with all your favorite uh, Star Trek actors and and crew and uh, other talent and fans. And all I can say is that uh, with the you know COVID nineteen coronavirus rolling around out there, I I'm thinking that's the last place in the world I want to be. Well, I also find it uh, to be fair, Aaron. Had you signed up for that cruise about three or four years ago, you'd probably be. Been- be married to Terry Farrell right now. <laughs> You're probably right. I mean, it's proximity. Because yeah, isn't that where she he, met uh, what's his face? Uh, Adam Nimoy. Yeah, is that his name? Yeah. Didn't they meet on? I think they. Feel, I think I they think, met on the cruise and I fell think, in love. I think you're right. I think I think you're right, Paul. That, that could fact, have been you. It was proximity. That was the only thing keeping us apart. <laughs> it was. And now you. And now if you go on the cruise, you have to stay six feet apart. That's so right. uh, you might. You should have signed up then. Yeah. <laughs> Do you think the cruise will go off? You know, I, I, you know, they, I, they've canceled uh, South by can- Southwest. And- I think they're going to have to cancel. I think most of these I think so. these cruise things are are going to wind up getting canceled. I think I, you know, I I, I am worried for uh, Star Trek Las Vegas this year, uh, as well as San Diego. Hopefully, the the virus burns itself out before then. But uh, you know, there's there's certainly a possibility if those things get canceled, they don't have yeah, to make anything- that choice just yet. But yeah, I mean, I certainly think anything between now and May yeah, is suspect. Agree. Yeah, no, I completely agree. Even if even if things dissipate quickly, which, yeah. you know, that's not really how this works. Uh, yeah. But even if things were to dissipate quickly, um, you know, people have already canceled and travel and, you know, mm-hmm. booking and all that stuff. It's just it takes a lot to, you know, to write that ship. So, yeah. yeah, no, I agree. I agree. So, Paul. Yes, sir. We're here. We're right here. Right here. On Star Trek Picard, episode number eight. Are we on eight? No. This is six. No. Seven? No. I'm pretty sure. No, we are not on eight. I am pretty sure we are on eight. Oh. I think I'm going to go double check because now I feel like (laughs) you're calling me a liar. But uh, I mean, I feel like I am. Seven. Seven. We are about to see eight. Okay. So Nepenthe? Yeah, Nepenthe. Nepenthe was episode seven. Okay. See, I wasn't totally wrong, and okay. you weren't totally right. <laughs> <laughs> so, Paul, here yes, we sir. are on Star Trek Picard, episode number seven. Mm-hmm, Nepente. Mm-hmm. Nepente. Nepente. There's only three episodes left, Paul. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, that's all I'm saying. So, uh, you know, if you'll recall where we left things last time, Picard and uh, Soji had jumped through the Sakarian portal and teleported light years away to safety. To the planet Nepenthe. And so we 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 join them right there on that lovely planet of Nepenthe. It's a lovely planet, Paul. It's all lush and green. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. But before we dive into that, we, we're back on the on the Borg or- artifact where uh, Hugh is uh, getting his ass handed to him by uh, Narek's Romulan sister. Yeah. And she is not happy. She is she is not happy that Hugh helped Picard and Soji escape. She is not happy that Hugh used the uh, 
the artifact's secret resources, uh, you know, against her, her will and knowledge. She's just not happy in general. And, uh, you know, she, she's really sort of whooped Hugh around. And to teach him a lesson, she kills many, many of his Borg friends. Or, I'm sorry, I'm sorry, XB friends. Yeah, XB. Just guns them down, you know. Yeah. Right there in front of him, and you know, which uh, leaves Hugh sort of a, a wasted mess. And she walks away because the, the, the question I'm asking is, where the fuck's Elnor? Because Elnor stayed with him there in that hallway, right? Well, Elnor emerges from the shadows after all the bad Romulan people leave and uh, helps Hugh away. So I guess, you know, when uh, they were being overrun, Elnor slinked away to fight another day. Uh, leaving his good friend Hugh there to uh, mm-hmm. be captured by, you know, the bad Romulans. It's pretty I, – I really am questioning – I wish we had seen that because I really want to see what circumstances, rev- you know, happened that Elnor abandoned him, you know. I, Elnor's I feel, kind of a bitch, I guess. Well, I, I, I feel like, you know, I didn't, I didn't, you know, I didn't swear an oath to protect this guy. <laughs> He's not Captain Picard, you know. It just seemed I it just seemed sort of shitty to me. <laughs> I'm just saying. <laughs> kind of shitty, Elnor. Kind it of really shitty. did. It really did. And uh but you know, uh Hugh is now pissed off because, you know, all of his XB buddies have been shot down and he's got a plan and so he and Elnor head off in 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 deeper into the cube. Uh so meanwhile we're back on, on Nepenthe and, and Soji and Picard are walking down the path and they bump into uh, some wild girl in the woods whose face is painted. And, uh, you know, she, she's got a bow and arrows. And, uh, you know, her name is Kestra. I think I've got that right. Yes. Kestra. And she's, you know, blonde haired, wild hair, uh, preteen. And, uh, you know, she, she, it, you know, this scene very much reminds me, and I don't know if you're going to, if you're going to follow me here in the Wayback Machine, Paul, but the episode Family Ties, which was the episode that occurs right after Best of Both Worlds, parts one and two. And it's the episode where Picard's struggling with, should I stay in Starfleet, should I stay in Star- Starfleet after having been assimilated by the Borg? Have I seen too much? Should I just, you know, live the quiet life. And on the path as he's walking to his childhood home, he encounters, uh, um, I, God dang it. I forget his name. Um, his, his nephew and, uh, his nephew, you know, pretends to be a robber on the road and whatnot. And there's a sort of dialogue that meeting between, you know, Picard's nephew and, uh, uh, Kestra, which seemed very similar to me. I don't you know, know if that rang any bells to you. It, it, you know, it, it vaguely does, but I couldn't make the comparison. Yeah. So, uh, you know, they walk back and, you know, we're wondering who this Kestra person is. Well, she turns out to be the daughter of, uh, of Riker and Troy, who live right there on Nepenthe. So, you know, Picard made the choice to run to uh, Riker and Troy. And if you'll recall, back when he started on this mission, he deliberately wanted to exclude them. But he felt like he was out of options, I guess, and ran to them. Uh, yes. Which, which seemed to me to be really drawing the danger 
to Riker and Troy. And, you know, Troy, at one point in the episode, confides that she's very concerned that something could happen to Kestra, that, that you know, Picard is bringing that danger to, the, to their home. Uh, I was amused that, you know, Riker's in the kitchen. He's cleaning and, you know, um, getting ready to make dinner and whatnot. And Picard comes in and, you know, uh, Picard communicates that, you know, he's on the, he's on the run. And Riker's like, shields up. His home has shields. I love that his home has shields and anti-cloaking technology. <laughs> I wish my home had shields. That's all I'm yeah. saying. Well, what's funny is, you know, it, it, they're having a conversation. And he says, uh, you know, are you in danger? And Picard goes, yes. And he just goes, shields up. He doesn't say, you know, computer. He just says, yeah. shields up. Yeah. And, you know, the shields go up. That's because you know, Siri is always listening, this- Paul. Siri is yeah. always listening. Always listening. You know, because it, it kind of looks like they're on this fortressy or foresty, excuse me, yeah. forest planet, you know, kind of living the quiet life. But, you know, they, they still have uh, the benefit. You know, they're making pizza the natural way. Uh-huh. But, uh, you know, they got them shields. Uh, tell me, Paul. Yes, sir. Did the preparation of the pizza make you hungry? Were you going, man? I could go for some of that bunny corn sausage pizza. Yeah. Until they put the bunny corn sausage on it, I was very intrigued. <laughs> I wanted me some of that bunny corn sausage pizza. That looks good. He's like, I'm going to make a margarita pizza. I'm like, okay, great, great. That sounds delicious. You know, oh, and the wood fire oven in the backyard. Oh, even better. Then uh-huh. all of a sudden he's like, I'm going to put some bunny corn sausage on it, which one negates it being a, uh, you know, a margarita pizza. And two, right. the hell is bunny corn sausage? Well, it's ma- it's made of the indigenous bunny corns there in Nepente. Mm, mm, yeah. mm. And I'd like to point out that it was just moments later that all of the Riker makes pizza memes came out on the internet. I mean, have you have you seen yeah. them? Yeah, I love them. <laughs> They're cracking me up. The uh I saw one that was just, you know, when when you when you go to Riker's Pizza, order the number 1 or the uh the uh, you know, Riker Pizza Box cracking me up. <laughs> I, I, there, there have been a couple that I've really gotten a kick out of, but you know, Soji, you would think would embrace all of this, the the warm humanity there at the uh, you know Riker homestead, and uh, she's having none of it. She doesn't trust Picard, she doesn't trust uh, Riker, she doesn't trust Troy. She kind of maybe trusts Kestra, but she's not having any of it. So you know, she uh, uh, she is very clear. That, uh, you know, she doesn't know if any of this is real. In fact, you know, Deanna Troy makes the comment early on. She's like, you know, she she's, you know, stressed. She's frazzled. I can't read a thing off of her. And, you know, Riker makes the, you know, confides in Picard that she's an android. You know, clearly this is an android. And she got a little bit of data in her because I've seen, you know, some of the mannerisms that she has are straight up mannerisms of uh, Commander Data. Um I, I liked that post-activation, she has some data manner, mannerisms. I didn't notice any data mannerisms before other than the Nor did I. fast fingers, mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, like she, she and Dodge had. But, uh, you know, clearly when she did the head, head tilt, you're like, okay, yeah, there's a little bit of data in her. Um, I, I, I got a kick out of that. I also got a huge kick out of seeing Riker and Troy again. Um, I honestly, you know, this was the best episode of the series and it's, it is 100% because of the appearance of Riker and Troy. Yeah. It's not like it was an action packed episode. Did you know that, that uh, Marina Sirtis stole the wig and contacts from Nemesis and she had those to wear in this episode? That's the wig that she had in Nemesis and those are the contacts that she wore in Nemesis. 
That's hilarious. And that she was kind of a last minute cast. And you know, her, her I saw an interview with her, and her comment was, "They didn't have time to put together a ten thousand dollar wig for me." So I'm like, "Hey, I've got the one I wore in Nemesis. You want me to bring it?" <laughs> I just that's think that's hilarious. hysterical. Hey, I stole this shit off the set of last on the last Star Trek thing I was on, <laughs> and I'm bringing it with me again. <laughs> I, I think that's pretty damn funny. Yeah the the scenes with Riker and Troy were very heartwarming. Um, you know, in the same scene where Riker has guessed that, hey, you know, uh, I'm guessing you're running from Romulan, so Tal Shiar. You know, yeah. Uh, you know the head tilt. So this is an android and related to data. Like he guesses at all of it. Yeah, and yeah. I like that he calls Picard on his arrogance. He's like the typical Picard arrogance. Mm-hmm. You know, only putting people in. You know, in in the you know in harm's way when you feel you you know it's necessary. Yeah, when it's your choice. Yeah, yeah. when it's your choice, which you know was exactly what's happening. But yeah. then again, he also like didn't go with him. <laughs> He's well, like, okay, bye. Thanks for swinging by. I, I, I'm gonna, I want to come back to that when we get yeah. to the end. So, um, meanwhile, we, we cut back to the Borg artifact, and Hugh and, and I wanted to say Data, Hugh and uh, Elnor are uh, going back to the Queen's chamber, which is the same place that that he had activated so that Picard could escape. And Hugh says something about, you know, the Romulans don't even know what this what the artifact can do. And he's and he all all he's got to do is get back to the Queen's chamber to turn it all on. Well, uh they get there and, you know, there's, you know, Narek's sister and I keep forgetting her name, which is why I always call her Narek's sister. Um She's there with her boys, and they gun Hugh down. Uh, they well, no, start she shooting. A, she, she throws, throws a, knife. a knife in his neck. Yeah. yeah, she throws a knife in his neck. It's killing shot. Um, you know, Elnor quickly dispatches her Romulan centurions, and at, he uh, pulls the knife from Hugh's throat and throws it at her, and she beams out at the last moment before the uh, the knife gets her. And Hugh has a few parting words. You know, part of it is, you know, how to activate the shit inside the uh, Queen's Cube. And, you know, that's where we leave Elnor as he, you know, goes off into the to the uh, Queen's Chamber to do the thing. And we see a preview that, you know, involves uh, Elnor for next week. But we're not going to talk about that right now. But, you know, when I came into this episode, I had seen a headline. And I don't read any of the articles before uh, I I watched the episode, because I really try to go into the episode unspoiled. And I had felt that Hugh was going to die this episode, because I didn't see a way for... I didn't see... Since they weren't going to run to Rios's ship or go through the Sakarian portal, I just didn't see a way for Hugh to avoid being murdered. Because while I understood that he stayed to help out the XBs on the artifact... The Romulans don't have any kind of motivation there with him. In fact, yeah. set him up to uh, violate the treaty that allows him to be there as a citizen of the Federation so that they could, in fact, kill him, right, without starting an interstellar war. Um, so anyway, you know, I, I saw bad things for Hugh, but one of the headlines I saw was cherished TNG character dies in this episode. And I'm thinking, well, maybe they're talking about Hugh, but what if they're talking about Riker or Troy? 
And I mean, I watched it Thursday, the day it came out. You know, I didn't watch it at seven in the morning or whatever time, it, ridiculous time it comes out, but I watched it that evening. And the whole day, I'm, I'm just, I'm just like, oh my god, what if, what if it's Riker or Troy? Fuck me. They wouldn't do that. I, I think they'd burn down the internet if they did that. I mean, I was, I was really, really knotted up about that. Cause I was like, you can't kill Riker and Troy. You just, you just can't. You kill Picard before you kill Riker or Troy. <laughs> uh, so I was relieved that it wasn't Riker or Troy, but I felt bad for Hugh. Yeah, I mean, that was kind of shitty. Uh, you yeah. know, I, I gotta say, it was, it was kind of crappy. Um, cause they're, they're kind of using these, side characters from next generation and voyager yeah. as fodder you know like I, we eh, remember you know. we remember you Echeb. yeah <laughs> yeah and you know which it, it it it's becoming a bit of a habit and i'm like no you don't need to you know introduce these side characters just to kill them off and what you know the next scene um bruce you know I, th- I think or, there or could bruce maddox Bruce I'm, I'm still, I'm Again. still in mourning, mourning for Bruce Maddox. Yeah, you know that's three for three. You know, um, right. and we do see seven of not. Oh, wait, well, we'll get there. Um, yeah, she's not going to die. I don't think. Uh, but you know, one thing you know, you said you kill Picard. Um, we breezed over the sequence where Picard greets uh, Deanna Troy, right? And yes. you know, they come up and they give a hug, and you know, she is an empath, betazoid. Yep. Um, but empathic abilities, is that correct? Essentially? Yes. Um, so, you know, she lacks the telepathic properties of the Betazoid because she's half human. Correct. So she's, she's just got, um, but she, you know, so she takes a look at Picard and she, you know, you could see the look on her face and she's like, oh, like she can, she knows that he's there because he's dying. You know, this right. is, you know, and I, I think there's so much in that scene um, that's unspoken because he just gives her a big hug. He's like, I'll be fine. I'll be okay. Yeah. You know, but she knows better. And I, I think that's a, a great, great, it's a great scene. Yeah. It's a great scene. I mean, and you know, you know, in the first several seasons of D, of uh, TNG, I never really thought much of uh, Marina Sirtis as an actress. And it wasn't until, uh, they started changing her up a bit, like, you know, the time she's abducted by Romulans or when uh, she's having to work so closely with, uh, uh, God, the other captain who comes in when Picard goes off to, uh, uh, you know, do the Cardassian mission. Uh, mission yeah, where yeah. Mm-hmm. I can't suddenly I can't remember his name. Jellico, uh, where, you know, she's when they changed her up, when they took her out of really the character's comfort zone and really gave the actress something to work with. You got to see, oh, Marina Sirtis is really a damn fine actress. Um, and that was you saw that here. You know, she's playing emotions that we're familiar with that, you know, she's worried about her family. She's she's got the grief of a child who has died. Uh, but I thought she played those moments well. And when she when she realizes that Picard is terminally ill, uh, the sorrow that you feel from her. I mean, I, the, the the feelings were all out there in this episode. Now that I thought she did a, a remarkable job and I loved uh, how Riker just feels like an old shoe. You know, he I mean, he immediately is comforting and and, you know, his job as as executive officer to Captain Picard was to fix things. And so that's exactly the mode he jumps into. And, you know, when you work with someone who is as tight lipped as Captain Picard is, part of his job as as the executive officer was to figure out what he needed, because, you know, sometimes Picard's not going to tell you what he needs. And he does. I know that's a lot of that's the writing, but Jonathan Frake sold the shit out of that. 
I was really impressed with both of these performances and how well they refound those voices of their characters. I, 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 I was... I was delighted to see them on screen. I will say, if anything, they found the voices of their characters faster and uh, and better than Picard has. Um, You know, I don't know that I would say that because I think Picard's voice is different because he's at a different place. Yeah, but they are too, right? But they still, you know, they still embody those characters extremely well, you know, in in the very first moment you see them. I mean, I'm not criticizing Patrick Stewart's performance in the show. I, I just feel like they came in and it was like a breath of fresh air uh, because yeah. they, you know, we're, we're referencing the moments that hop back and forth between uh, Narissa is her character's names, uh, her character's name. And, you know, we haven't even talked about the crew of Picard ship. Well, but, I was just about to say, you know, there's some shit going on on the La Serena, Paul. Yeah. And, and, you know, uh, Rios is trying to shake the Romulan tail he has, which is Narek, who's trying to follow them to wherever they're going to rendezvous with uh, Picard. And he's like, you know, the only way that these guys could be following us is if maybe somebody's helping. And so he goes to talk to Gerardi, uh, who's having a little bit of a meltdown, right? You know, she is having a really hard time dealing with what she's done uh, to Bruce Maddox and we get to see a little bit more flashback. And Paul, I was wildly wrong. You know, I had said, I think, in our last episode that I thought maybe the relationship between Commodore O and Gerardi went back a long time. She didn't. It, it didn't. You know, uh, Gerardi was able to uh, do a really a, a rather forced mind meld. Now, whether it's a Vulcan mind meld or a Romulan mind meld is yet to be clarified because i think we've all assumed that she's romulan but maybe she is just a a dirty damn vulcan uh who's allied with the uh the romulans you know it's it's hard to say right Mm -hmm. because we've never seen a romulan do that before in fact i believe there's some canon to say that they don't that they do not have the psionic abilities that vulcans do um that's neither here nor there commodore o forced a mind meld onto gerardi which revealed a future uh, that Gerardi saw that's just terrible and all the synths have to die. And if humans have to die to make that happen, that's fine. Commodore O gives her a tablet that she has to, you know, uh, chew and swallow so that they can find her anywhere she goes. And Gerardi realizes that the reason why Narek's able to find them is that she's got some sort of tracker in her belly. So, you know, she goes off to sick bay and, uh, you know, that's where, where Rios comes and says, I think it could be Rafi. And, you know, Gerardi's like, no, it's not Rafi, but she's saying it through tears. And he thinks that, you know, she's just in a bad emotional place. Doesn't understand what she's trying to tell him is that I'm the one with the tracker. Rios leaves to go deal with, with the, uh, the tail again, who has reappeared. And, uh, Gerardi injects herself with some sort of, uh, um, neurotoxin that will deactivate whatever's in her belly and it puts her in a coma. Um, but it shuts down the tracker and clearly they're able to uh, leave there because we find out at the end of the episode that Rios has arrived at Nepenthe and is ready to beam up, uh, Picard and Soji. Soji, who has, uh, decided to tentatively trust Picard that she's been won over by the love of the Rikers and in particular Kestra. Kestra, whose brother died, uh, had a terminal illness that could have been cured 
if uh, there was a positronic matrix that could have been used to uh, fabricate some sort of uh, serum. But because of the ban on sense, he died. He, the, the, the medicine was not available to him. Uh, but, you know, here's Soji, who has been embraced by this family, and in particular Kestra, uh, who I found I found Kestra herself. Uh, I generally can't stand ch- child actors. I thought she was terrific. Yeah, she did whoever, a very good who, job. I thought whoever was directing her gave her some great direction uh, because she was not obnoxious. I th- she felt very genuine on screen. Uh, I enjoyed her a great deal. And that would be a Douglas Arniakowski. Um who has done a number of uh, television shows. I believe he's done a couple of episodes of um, Discovery, mm-hmm. um, but I know he, he's done a number of movies as well. Um, he, he did Resident Evil Extinction, um, but he's also done a, a couple of the short tracks. Uh, he's done, uh, I mean, just a lot of stuff. He's, he, he actually is a really skilled director, I think. Clearly. Clearly. Uh, and, you know, in the TV space, for sure, he directed a number of episodes of Arrow, a lot of Sleepy Hollow. Yeah. I will say this episode, because there's not a lot of uh, smash em up in this episode, it's a lot less adventure than what we've had in some of the previous episodes. Uh, this could have been a great big dull dud. You know, it could have Absolutely. been a lot of naval. It could have been a great big naval gazer. And it wasn't. I mean, I, I was delighting in every single moment we spent at, uh, you know, Deanna and, uh, and, uh, Riker's place. Mm-hmm. I loved, I loved their daughter. I enjoyed the, the different interactions that Picard was having with them and that Soji was having with them. Uh, it was, I thought, I thought this episode was fantastic. And, you know, we, we see the, see them beam up to, uh, uh, the La Serena and we know that uh, you know they're gonna they're they're heading off to the birth world you know where where the the lab where Soji was built is they they figured out where that world is and they're heading there, but Paul I gotta tell you they beam up and you know we're left there with the family Riker you know you've got Deanna and Riker you know and and their daughter all sort of you know hugging together as as they watch their friends beam away. I don't think we've seen the last of uh, Captain Riker. I I I would be very surprised if he doesn't uh, go get him a ship. To you know, come help Picard. I, I feel like we've seen the last of him this season. I don't know, but I could be wrong. Um, I don't know. I know. feel like he. I feel like this is a rush in at the last minute to help out kind of thing. I hope so. I feel like I feel like he uh, is going to fulfill that uh, Captain Sulu role in Undiscovered Country. You know, things are going to look really bleak, and then all of a sudden, you've got yourself a Captain Riker riding in at the last minute. I That's would what it felt very like. much like that. So hopefully, I would uh, because I would every time that. they were on screen, I just I, I was smiling. Um, it was great, wasn't it? they weren't just wanted to go back yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, I, not yeah. that not that the rest of the episode was bad i just found myself very engaged with that reunion yeah. which you know to a certain extent does show that hey from a direction of the series standpoint and i understand patrick stewart didn't want to do you know a next generation you know let's just do next generation again um it it those characters sung together. And I think that, you know, that is something that hasn't been earned with this crew yet because they haven't really spent any time together. Yeah. Um, so hopefully, you know, if, if this crew will continue on into season two, we'll see them gain a little bit of the camaraderie that I feel is missing right now in, in, well, in those check, elements. Let's check in for a moment oh. because uh, I like Soji. 
I, 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 she's a character I want to hang around. I like um, Yes. I don't, I don't like Rafi. I don't like Rafi. And I think, that, I, I think that's a problem. I think that I'm supposed to like Rafi and I can't stand her. And I gotta be honest. I don't like Rios. I, I would like rather Rios. have the holographic Rios than the actual <laughs> Rios. I, I, I like think Rios, Rios just doesn't have enough to do. Um, I think yeah. maybe that's part of it. Yeah, I would like to see Rios get his hands dirty like like a real captain does. Uh, but I got to tell you, I don't like Rafi at all. Um, I I think that's a problem for the show because I think that I am supposed to really like Rafi. And, and I know that goes to a conceit for me that I got an issue with, with addiction. And, you know, people who can't drag themselves out of it. Uh, and the more and more they, they lean into her addiction, the less and less I like her. Um, and, you know, you've got uh, Allison Pill's character that I was inclined to like early on. But I, I'm having some issues with her as well. You know, not the least of which being that she, you know, killed her boyfriend. Um, so I don't know how you redeem her from that. Because they're just all, been, like, too flawed, right? I, too I think broken. that's part of it. Yeah. They're too broken. I agree. I, and, mm-hmm. and I, I mean, I don't have a problem with broken characters. Like I, I like Elnor quite a bit, you know? Uh, and he, he's broken in that he's not really lived a life yet. Um, I feel like there's a I, lot that you can do with Elnor from, you know, uh, for, he, he's your data, right? right. He, he, he's, your, yeah, he's your blank slate. Yeah. 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 He's your guy who doesn't understand why people do the things they do, right? And that's, mm-hmm. that's your data, that's your Spock, that's your, you know, fill-in-the-blank character from any of the Star Trek shows. The problem um, is they just literally separate the party in every episode. Yeah, yeah. And, you know, it doesn't – there's not enough time for that character interaction. You know, we see them a couple times on the bridge. And in this episode, you know, you see them on the bridge. But that wasn't the focus of the episode. That was maybe no. 10 minutes of a 50-minute episode. Yeah. Um, and, and, you know, the focus really was – on separating them again so that Allison Pills character what's her name again doctor 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 Gerardi doctor Gerardi Agnes yeah. yeah Agnes could yeah. you know basically eat cake or guts up. Yeah. You know, Rafi did drugs. And, you know, so I, I think they're too, I think we, we hit the nail on the head by saying they're all a little too broken. Um, you know, I, and don't get me wrong. Star Trek has a number of troubled characters or characters with troubles pass, mm-hmm. you know, yeah. whether we're talking about Kira or Quark, but they weren't currently broken. Right? right. They had all overcome the tragedies of their past to become better human beings or better well, people. You know? And, you know, there are Kira, you know, the examples that you cite, Kira and Quark both have arcs. They mm-hmm. they are they have previously been broken. They're at a functional state when we meet them, but they actually improve, you know, their their arc rises through the journey of Deep Space Nine, right? Quark is not the same person he is at the end of Deep Space Nine that he started off as. Neither is Kira. Um, I am sure that there is an arc plotted for these characters, but my problem is that they are so broken. There's so many things wrong with them that I'm not sure I care. Yeah, I almost feel like, honestly, I would be fine with this crew. Um, you know, maybe certain elements of the crew, uh, but I, I feel like... Going into season two, I'm almost okay with it focusing on Picard and Soji. Um, you know, I, I, again, I, I preferred the holographic Rios to the real Rios, but right. I think the actor has potential. I think yeah, I he like, needs more. I like him. I think the the I think the reason why you're not responding to him is he hasn't been given enough to do. Whereas yeah. uh, whereas Girardi and Rafi have both gotten a lot of screen time. 
and I don't care what what what, what either one's serving up. Mm-hmm. Um, well, and, and yeah, Gerard, I mean, I would be surprised if Gerardi goes into season two, given what she's done. Yeah, no, I'm sure. I'm sure that, that that they really want to explore both of those arcs. I think that I think these are both characters that 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 plow on to season two, and I hope they are able to convince me to fall in love with these characters. I just haven't. Whereas I, you know, I I really got a lot invested with Soji. I've got a lot invested with Elnor, uh, and 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 some of the other characters. But man, Gerardi and and Rafi just ain't doing it for me. Well, and if they're looking, you know, and I know it sounds kind of sexist that the characters we have issues with are the female characters um, on the crew. And I oh, think maybe female? I don't really I don't really see gender. Paul. Oh, you don't see gender. But I will yeah. say, you know, if they're looking for a new first officer, Molly Parker's about to be out of a job. And, uh, you know, Aaron, Aaron's a fan of, of Mrs. Robinson, so she can get lost in space on another show. Sweet Dr. Robinson. Mm, mm, mm. <laughs> I would follow her into the final frontier. I'm telling you. Yeah. <laughs> but, you know, they're going to have an android with them on the ship. You know, you really don't need some of that crew if you got yourself a bona fide android on your ship. Mm-hmm, right? mm-hmm. I mean, she, she, so you could kill off a couple of those characters and, and you really wouldn't notice. That's all I'm saying. <laughs> Unless, of course, Soji turns out to be one of those dirty, dirty synths, in which case you'll probably want some of those other people. Fair. Well, before we wrap up our conversation on this episode, one final thing I want to say is someone reached out to me the other day. A friend of mine reached out to me the other day and said, hey, you know, I have a theory. It's not really founded in anything that's hinted on the show, uh, uh, you know, but the, the time other than the fact that the timing would work out, which is to say, what if um, Narissa... And Narek uh-huh. are Sila's kids. Um, huh. You know, as that would lend, and you know, why would why these specific characters? Why the twins? Why the importance of these specific, um, you know, Jadvash characters? You know, how can we? You know, what what beyond just being villainous would have a connection to synths? Would have a connection? It would have an emotional connection to Picard. Um, and so, yeah, that, that, that was the theory that was that was expressed. I, I could I could get behind that. So I, I, I don't know that they'll go that with it, I, but you never know. I I feel like there is a Sela revelation coming at some point because mm-hmm. why wouldn't you? Yeah, <laughs> you know. And I don't feel like that's too cute. I mean, I just feel like that at some point, you know, we either run into her and she's just involved in this project, or maybe she's the mastermind of the Jadvash. Yeah, I, I don't and see how you can go friends- whole hog into the Jadvash, Romulan, Tal Shiar, um, uh, you know, what mythology without. Yeah, no, I agree. I agree. I, 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 I like your friend's theory, uh, and, but I, 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 even if his theory isn't correct, I imagine we're going to run into Seal at some point. Because, you know, Denise Crosby's still connected to Trek. Yeah, true. You know. Well, we have three more episodes to find out. And next week, we yeah. see the return of Seven of Nine. I'm so excited. That preview that we got to see with uh, Elnor, you know, uh, fighting off dirty, dirty Romulans in the uh, in, in the Queen's Cube uh, is, uh, is uh, you know, pretty impressive. So I, I'm excited to see some Seven of Nine again next week. And, you know, we would be very interested to hear what you think. Give us a call at 972-763-5903. That number, once again, 972-763-5903. And if we use your voicemail on the show, you'll win a coveted, valuable Ideology of Madness surprise. And, Paul, I think I've even identified what our next Ideology of Madness surprise is going to be. It's going to be the uh, new book 
uh, Mastering Kirk Fu, teaching you how to Star Trek fight just like Captain Kirk. Oh, okay. Pretty exciting. So if you want to win that book, give us a call. Yeah, you can give us a call or you can hit us up on our social media channels, IOM Geek on Facebook, Instagram, or Twitter. Very good. Well, Paul, we'll do this all over again next week right here on IOMGeek.com. See you then. Star Trek with Aaron and Polly is a production of IOMGeek.com. Have a question or comment? Hailing frequencies are open at 972-763-5903. Tribble wrangling provided by Triskelion Trays. No troublesome tribbles. Mr. Aponte's wardrobe provided courtesy of Garrick's Clothiers, conveniently located on the promenade.